What's up, my good people, my friends, my comrades, my family. This is Jake J. Thomas of Jake J. Thomas Photo at Becoming Jakespeare on Instagram and jakejthomasphoto.com where you can find my blog and look at some very cool pictures. Continuing the Changing the Conversation series, uh, reading Shakespeare's sonnets. Um, really having a good time with this. And today we're going to do 26 through 30. I'm just going to jump right into it. Sonnet 26. Lord of my love, to whom in vassalage thy merit hath my duty strongly knit, to thee I send this written embassage to witness duty, not to show my wit. Duty so great, which wit so poor as mine may make seem bare. In wanting words to show it, but that I hope some good conceit of thine, in thy soul's thought, all naked, will bestow it. Till whatsoever star that guides my moving points on me graciously with fair aspect, and puts apparel on my tattered loving, to show me worthy of thy sweet respect. Then may I dare to boast how I do love thee. Till then, not show my head where thou mayest prove me. Ongoing saga of Shakespeare's persona in the sonnets and their beloved. It's an unrequited love and one that is impossible and will remain unrequited. And that, I think, becomes one of the strongest metaphors of Western literature, of romantic literature, certainly. The unrequited love. It's maybe one of the most powerful emotional feelings. Negative, obviously. <laughs> but let's look more at the thing that stands out in this sonnet. I think pretty clearly is he he's having fun as a poet now he gets to picture his subject naked although he you know puts it in a phrase where it's it can be interpreted in another way this is the closest it's going to get to sex because He's imagining the nakedness of the love and referring to himself as being without clothing. So they're two naked souls. And it's not sexual because it's unconsummated. It's impossible to consummate. It's an unrequited love, but possibly a mutual love. Maybe it isn't unrequited. Maybe it's just unrealized. Let's read it again. 
Sonnet 26 Lord of my love, to whom in vassalage thy merit hath my duty strongly knit, to thee I send this written embassage, to witness duty, not to show my wit, duty so great, which wit so poor as mine, may make seem bare, in wanting words to show it but that I hope some good conceit of thine in thy soul's thought, all naked, will bestow it. Till whatsoever star that guides my moving points on me graciously with fair aspect. Till whatsoever star that guides my moving points on me graciously with fair aspect, and puts apparel on my tattered loving, to show me worthy of thy sweet respect. Then may I dare to boast how I do love thee, till then not show my head where thou mayst prove me. Okay, so as well as the mutual nudity, the, the nakedness of souls, there is the personification of duty and merit and personification of love as a type of uh, order of people of military of rank of hierarchy lord of my love my love is a servant to this Lord. But not just my love. The, the duty that I owe to your merit. My duty is in service of the, your merit. Because you are the Lord of my love. And so to you I send this message. Because it is my duty, not because I'm trying to write a sonnet. And a duty so important as me, you know, expressing your merit. And my wit being so poor. I know that I won't measure up to the task. But I'm hoping that you'll have some nice fancy moves that you can make all naked that will make it fit, make it work. And until the uh, right astrological moment when fortune shines on me, baby, I'm going to just have to go ahead and uh, keep quiet about this stuff and not not see you in public because it will be obvious all right peace that's my kind of explanation of it sonnet 26 lord of my love to whom in vassalage thy merit hath my duty strongly knit to thee i send this written embassage to witness duty not to show my wit duty so great 
with which wit so poor as mine may make seem bare in wanting words to show it but that i hope some good conceit of thine in thy soul's thought all naked will bestow it till whatsoever star that guides my moving points on me graciously with fair aspect and puts apparel on my tattered loving to show me worthy of sweet respect then may i dare to boast how i do love thee till then not show my head where thou mayst prove me sonnet 27 weary with toil i haste me to my bed the dear repose for limbs with travel tired but then begins a journey in my head to work my mind when body's work expired for then my thoughts from far where i abide intend a zealous pilgrimage to thee and keep my drooping eyelids open wide looking on darkness which the blind do see save that my soul's imaginary sight presents thy shadow to my sightless view which like a jewel hung in ghastly night makes black night beauteous and her old face new lo thus by day my limbs by night my mind for thee and for myself no quiet find i read it again just to get a little bit more sense of some of the nuance the details the grit the gist weary with toil sonnet 27 weary with toil i haste me to my bed the dear repose for limbs with travel tired but then begins a journey in my head to work my mind when body's work expired for then my thoughts from far where i abide intend a zealous pilgrimage to thee and keep my drooping eyelids open wide looking on darkness which the blind do see save that my soul's imaginary sight presents thy shadow to my sightless view which like a jewel hung in ghastly night makes black night beauteous and her old face new lo thus by day my limbs by night my mind for thee and for myself no quiet find 27 sonnets and still just obsessed with this dude i mean first it was shocking now it's just like oh okay and it's pretty cool i mean that shows you what repetition can do as well the normalizing effect of repetition because there's something about repetition that convinces us of its goodness for it to return and repeat itself consistently. There must be something to it. But here we have in this group of sonnets, we begin this idea of the positive effect of even the thought of the love you know and in this in this 
case, it's a bit overwhelming, right? The the persona, they can't go to sleep. They are stuck, obsessed with this person. But looking in, looking on the darkness that the blind do see, the imagination presents the image of the love of the beloved and makes it a beautiful sight instead of a scary and unpleasant one sonnet 27 weary with toil i haste me to my bed the deer repose for limbs with travel tired but then begins a journey in my head to work my mind when body's works expired. For then my thoughts from far where I abide intended zealous pilgrimage to thee and keep my drooping eyelids open wide, looking on darkness which the blind do see. Save that my soul's imaginary sight Presents thy shadow to my sightless view, which like a jewel hung in ghastly night, makes black night beauteous and her old face new. Lo, thus, by day my limbs, by night my mind, for thee and for myself no quiet find. Sonnet 28 How can I then return in happy plight that am debarred the benefit of rest when day's oppression is not eased by night but day by night and night by day oppressed and each though enemies to either's reign do in consent shake hands to torture me the one by toil the other to complain how far i toil still farther off from thee i tell the day to please him thou art bright and dost him grace when clouds do blot the heaven so flatter I the swart-complexioned night, but when sparkling stars twire not, thou gildest the even. But day doth daily draw my sorrows longer, and night doth nightly make grief's length seem stronger. <clears throat> now there, this obsession is peaking to a point of dysfunction deprived of the ability to recover at night the madness is taking a deeper hold on them in Shakespeare love is a highly motivating force for good and bad it is like a form of intoxication and often appears as a kind of madness you never want to take this as like truthfulness and especially in this case there's this reference to the flattery what part of this is flattery of the whole poem is this a meta moment in the poem where the poem breaks the fourth wall and confesses something that it's doing is it a form of flattery to a patron is it flattery to an actor who's important to the business what is really happening here 
I don't know, but there's this idea of false flattery that appears in this poem. But the flattery is used as a ploy to get to the lover. And it's a futile ploy because it's used against night and day. Sonnet 28. How can I then return in happy plight that am debarred the benefit of rest? When day's oppression is not eased by night, but day by night and night by day oppressed, and each, though enemies to either's reign, do in consent shake hands to torture me, the one by toil, the other to complain how far I toil still farther off from thee. I tell the day to please him, thou art bright, and dost him grace. When clouds do blot the heaven, so flatter I the swart complexion to night. When sparkling stars twire not, thou gildest the even. But day doth daily draw my sorrows longer, and night doth nightly make grief's length seem stronger. Sonnet 29 This one's a trip. I'll warn you right now, I read these earlier, and this one is a tripski, but we've already seen this winding up of the persona. They are obsessed. They are 28 poems already finished in, just focused on this love interest, and they just can't get over it, so one can only imagine where that might lead. And in 29, we have an answer sonnet 29 when in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes i all alone beweep my outcast state and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries and look upon myself and curse my fate wishing me like to one more rich in hope featured like him like him with friends possessed Desiring this man's art and that man's scope with what I most enjoy contented least. Yet in these thoughts, myself almost despising, haply I think on thee, and then my state, like to the lark at break of day arising from sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings that I that then I scorn to change my state with kings. This is a very dark moment for the voice of these poems. Outcast, ashamed, depressed. Thing near suicidal. But the vision of the loved one actually makes them feel superior to royalty. So there's this definite mixed effect that's being described of exhaustion, exaltation, And it's, you know, it's all about the effect of the beloved on the lover. 
Sonnet 29. When in disgrace with fortune in men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble deaf with heaven my bootless cries, and look upon myself and curse my fate, wishing me like to one more rich in hope, featured like him, like him with friends possessed, desiring this man's art and that man's scope with what I most enjoy contented least. Yet in these thoughts, myself almost despising, haply I think on thee, and then my state, like to the lark at break of day arising, from sullen earth sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered such wealth brings, that then I scorn to change my state with kings. And you know, this is one of the more beautiful moments of transformation and the powerfully transformative effects of romantic love. Maybe not the healthiest, but powerful. Sonnet 30, last one for this session. Sonnet 30. When to the sessions of sweet, silent thought, I summon up remembrance of things past, I sigh the lack of many a thing I sought, and with old woes, new wail my dear time's waste. Then can I drown an eye unused to flow, for precious friends hid in death's dateless night, and weep afresh love's long since cancelled woe, and moan the expense of many a vanished sight. Then can I grieve at grievances foregone, and heavily from woe to woe tell o'er the sad account of forebemoaned moan, which I knew pay as if not paid before. But if the while I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored and sorrows end. This sonnet is about the power of memory. The power of memory to recreate emotional anguish as though it were happening all over again. People who are studying mental health should read this poem. He's talking about something that happens with anxiety a lot of times, which is that even the memory of anxiety can cause more anxiety and But the cure in this poem is the memory of the friend, of the beloved. And while the experience of the anguish of remembered negative emotions is a debt that is paid in pain, it is rendered profitable by the memory of the beloved and that ticket price of painful memories is merely that the tiny fee necessary to enjoy the 
the prize, which is the experience of romantic love. Sonnet 30. When to the sessions of sweet, silent thought, I summon up remembrance of things past. I sigh the lack of many a thing I sought, and with old woes new wail my dear time's waste. Then can I drown an eye, unused to flow, for precious friends hid in death's dateless night, and weep afresh love's long since cancelled woe, and moan the expense of many a vanished sight. Then can I grieve at grievances foregone, and heavenly from woe to woe tell o'er the sad account of forebemoaned moan, which I knew pay as if not paid before. But if the while I think on thee, dear friend, all losses are restored and sorrows end. I love the idea of this kind of mental health economy of there being prices to pay and rewards to earn and a balance in the end and love being the force that pushes the scales towards the profitable baby. So that's it for today. Another session of sonnets. Sonnet 26 through 30. Until next time, this is Jake J. Thomas, signing out.